Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles, my guest has sung with some of the biggest names in music, from Phil Collins to Ringo Starr, Barbara Streisand, Stevie Wonder, Sting, and many, many more. She has even sung for a Super Bowl commercial that won an Emmy, She is also a writer, producer, and actor, and served as a representative on the Governor's Board of the National Recording Academy, the Grammys, and is a member of its advocacy board. Along the way, she has also made numerous television appearances. You've been hearing a song of hers called These Walls. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Amy Keys. Hi, Bruce. Hi, everybody. Amy, thank you ever so much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to talk with me today. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure. I'll I'll figure out. You know me. I'll work out of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, for your knowledge, we always start off every episode by having the guest talk about the song of theirs that we played during the intro. So, in this case, let's have you tell the listeners about the track "These Walls." These walls is I love this song. I was introduced by another dear friend of mine and killer singer, um, Stephanie, who um, had turned me on to this producer who wanted somebody to sing this kind of raw, rock, edgy sound, which I never get to sing because it's always, you know, not that I, you know, I'm not putting down <laughs> R&B. I love it. I, I love singing R&B, love singing pop. I've sung everything from country and back to pop and back again. But my wheelhouse and the stuff that I love is more alternative, more rock, more guitar driven. So um, when Stephanie Alexander had turned me on to this guy to go in to speak to him about singing on some of this stuff, uh, I had no idea. So I looked him, you know, I didn't know who he was. So I looked him up online and come to find out that he used to play with the group Filter. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who they are. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be fantastic. So we went in and started working on this piece. And it was going to be for a film trailer. And he needed a bridge for it. So I um, wrote the bridge and worked on some of the other parts of the song with him. And we went in and in one afternoon, these walls happened. Wow. And we've been working together ever since. Yes, he's brilliant. Oh, my God. Brilliant guitar player, brilliant writer, uh, just amazing. And he he's he lets me release, you know, all of that, all of that pent up energy that I've had to keep (laughs) under control for certain types of pop songs and things like that. Like you really get to release it on stuff like these walls, which was fun. Well, and what a wonderful ending to that story because it shows, and and Amy, for your benefit, a lot of what is done on my show 
is trying to help the listeners who are up-and-comers that are trying to learn from my guests. And so the story that you just told kind of shows that, you know, always go in there knowing that you never know where this might lead to. So like you said, it started off as a film trailer, and all of a sudden it evolved, and you brought the bridge, and it let you kind of open up this part that you've always wanted to. So that's a that, that's a story with, I would say, a surprise happy ending. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. And it's like... Always go, always go in, you know, and I'll piggyback on that to your listeners, anybody going into this or just getting into it or in the midst of it, always go in with an open mind because you never, ever, ever know where something might lead. And you don't know the producer. A lot of times the producers go into these sessions and they've got a basic outline, but it's nothing etched in stone. And you may be that final piece that they need that kicks it to another level. You never, you never know where anything is going to lead. So always go into it with an open mind. I love it. I love it. Uh, listeners, this interview, unbeknownst to all of you, <laughs> this interview has been long <laughs> in the making. And for those of you who are aspiring performers, what I'm about to say is a great lesson in the value of contacts. You hear me talk all the time about you can never have too many contacts. And it's a good example of my four P's approach that you've probably heard me refer to. Patient, polite, professional, but persistent. Amy and I got connected through Wendy Wagner, who I interviewed on both episode 74 and episode 123. I encourage you to go back and listen to those two installments of NHTE. Amy, this is going to be a two-parter. For starters, how and when did you and Wendy first come to meet? And then I'm going to have a follow-up question that I hope I'm going to be right about. Oh, okay. Well, Wendy, that's that's my heart. That's my sister from another mystery. She and I were brought in by Kate Markowitz to sing as a trio behind the amazing KD Lang. So Mm. we toured together with KD and it was, it was incredible. It was the first time because Wendy in her own right, as you will all hear, if you go back and listen to those previous um, interviews, is an amazing artist, uh, composer, singer, etc., extraordinaire across the board in her own right, and does amazingly well in town. She does not need to tour, basically. But because KD is who KD is, she decided, okay, I need to go out on this. And it was her first tour. It was her first um time on the road Mm. and lucky for me i was there when she was there and we all clicked and the sound was off the chain the Mm. sound was amazing it was fantastic one of the best tours i've ever done wow wow and that and that says a lot given your body of work oh yeah yeah now that would that was musically um colleague wise you know just across the board it was it was pretty friggin' amazing. <laughs> well, so the follow-up question is, I, I only barely scratched the surface in the intro, but you have worked with mm-hmm. so, so many people throughout your career. How much of that has mm-hmm. been because of networking and making contacts? Well, bottom line is kind of everything is, if you sift through the minutia of everything when you come down to that final point. Um, it's about relationship. 
It's about being missed when you're gone. That's mm. what, that's my, that's my little, that's my saying. That's my wow. thing. I always tell people, it's like, you know what? I want to be missed when I'm gone. Wow. I don't want to be that person. And I'm sure a, a lot of people have experienced this. Certain people will leave the room and all of a sudden the tension is removed. Yeah. And all of a sudden everyone's shoulders can drop <laughs> and you can breathe again. But then there are other people that when they leave, you're like, dang, you know, the, the energy just left. Why can't they hang all the time? Why can't they be part of this group? That's who I want to be. That's who I strive to be. And so it's 90%. It's, uh, I'll say 50-50. 50% relationship and 50% uh, preparedness. Mm-hmm. If you're, because you can be a great hang, but if you show up and you don't know your parts, you're not prepared for rehearsal. And another pet peeve, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out, out on a segue right here bring as far it, bring as it. being prepared for rehearsal. Rehearsal is not the time to learn a piece. Mm. Rehearsal is where you have learned your part, and you, t- to the best of your ability, on your own. You come to rehearsal to hone said part and to listen to the leader or the lead vocalist or whatever to make adjustments on said part, not to learn the part. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This yeah. Is, yeah, this yeah. is this is all great. That you know, the part about being missed when you leave the room, it's it's you know, they for whatever reason just couldn't get you and they got someone else and they say, Boy, I really wish we could have gotten Amy Keys for this. A- am I right? Yeah. Oh well, well, yeah. That and and when it's done, if you're only there for an afternoon, you know, to do something, when you leave, I want to be that person that they're like, well, dang, well, why didn't we hire her for the whole thing? Why, there you, you go. Know, Why is she just here for that? Yeah. I want. I I, I want to be that person that brings so much to the table that people are satisfied with and are happy about that they want not only that they want me to stay but that you know they want me they want to call me back well and let's face it you know i've talked with this i've talked about this with a few guests on on other episodes of the show the other thing that happens you were describing the song that we played at the beginning and, and the circumstances surrounding it so you go into just work on one song like you said it initially seemed like it was just going to be a film trailer and listeners, if you're an up-and-comer, you always have to keep in mind, who do those people know? Because if they have a good experience with you, like Amy's describing, all of a sudden, someone's going to bring up a project and they're going to say, you know, I just had this person in the other day. You ought to give him or her a shot. You ought to give him or her a listen. And Amy, I'm sure that, that you've seen this happen in terms of what you just described. Someone makes such a good impression, they leave the room and they are not forgotten. And that very well may lead to more opportunities. That's, absolutely, absolutely. And even if you're if you're not a musician or a singer, you're just a music lover. This translates across the board in any kind of business. You walk in and come up with a great idea. You're a team player. You're on a project or whatever, and you're always willing to to jump in and go. Hey, I might not understand this, but give me a minute and I'll go find out. You know, I might not know the answer for you. I'll get it for you, and Somebody will come up later on with another project and they say, well, we need to round out this team. We need some more. And they'll go, oh, wow. 
let's call John because John was killer on this last project. I think he'd be fantastic in this group. So it, it translates across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Amy, last week, as you and I were going back and forth to set up this interview, you were referring to being on set. Uh, what 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 yes. is that project that you're currently working on? Well, I'm working on a film. I'm trying to think. I guess because they've been sending out stuff <laughs> I, on I know, I'm the reading your mind how much you're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, how much I'm allowed to say about it. Um, not too much, but they're doing a movie regarding Dolomite. And I know they've been sending out calls for background artists, so I think I'm safe enough to say, to talk about that, because obviously people have been on the set, you know, to are not necessarily actors or whatever, but are doing background work on it. So they're working on that. I won't go into who the actors and things are, but suffice it to say there's some major players in it, and it's a really interesting piece. Well, it's you know, a really you, interesting piece. You're, you're bringing up something interesting, though. In the intro, I, in, I introduced you as obviously a singer, and I mentioned writer, producer, mm-hmm. and actor. So when you're in a yes. film where you're singing, are you thinking that I'm there because I'm a singer and they need background singers for this? Or is it I'm a singer, but I need to be an actor in this moment, if, if you understand where I'm coming from on that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's both. It's both. If it's a film, if it's on camera, you can be, if you're just, a sing if you come at it as being just a singer it's going to look flat and dead mm. and people will look and go oh wow you know because you'll stand out like a sore thumb mm. if you go into it as a singer as well as an actor you realize how animated you need to be depending upon the genre of music depending upon the scene the nature of the scene is it a comedy is it a drama you know that that whole thing so, you know, you have to have all your chops honed. You have to be an actor as well as a singer. But we, if you're a good singer, you kind of have to be a good actor as well to deliver certain songs, depending upon what kind of song it is. Yeah, and that's I'm, I'm really fascinated listening to you talk about this because I'm thinking about people like yourself. I'm talking about people like Wendy. Obviously, I've seen Wendy out on tour with Joe Walsh, so I see her with the mm-hmm. other singers there. And there obviously is this nature about you where you're going to be, I don't want to say animated, but you know how to react within each song appropriately. Some of it's maybe a little choreographed, but in other words, you're not standing mm-hmm. stiff on stage. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole idea that, yes, Bruce, of course, that, that's going to help you. It's going to carry over. But now you have to still amp that up even more because it's a movie. Right, yeah. And you, and you, and you have to keep it in check because it can't be too much because I'm sure we've all experienced, you know, sitting in the theater, watching someone telegraph their part. It's like, Oh my God, this person is way bad, way overacting on this thing. So you have to know where you are and you have to have a good feel of your body and how you read on camera and, how your character is and all of that. Because if you don't, it can come across really funky on a ginormous <laughs> screen when your head is like 10 feet wide. Yeah, you don't want to be a scene stealer either. 
no, that would not be good. That's a good way to end up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Listeners, I referred to my interviews with Wendy Wagner, the second of those we did in person when she was on the road with the Joel Walsh tour, but she was still able to record, say, in a hotel room, for example, because there are so many recording solutions these days that it's not recording studio or nothing. In a case like that, you can use something like what I have here, which is the Tascam acoustic control filter. It looks like a small vocal booth that you can set on a tabletop or like I have it up on a tripod, and then, of course, microphones for the demos you're recording. I'm talking to Amy right now through my Tascam TM280 microphone, which I like this particular model because of the low end that I feel it accentuates. You've probably seen pictures on the Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account of the other gear that I have and that I use for this show, like the Tascam Mini Studio Creator, which is an audio interface that you can connect two mics to or even record, say, guitar through. Check out all this stuff at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M dot com. Amy, by this point in the interview, I've usually spoken to the guest about Mm -hmm. their latest single or their latest EP or album. You did release original music quite some time ago, but but that's not original music is not the focus in your career, right? Or or am I wrong? And you're about to tell me that you're actually working on (laughs) Amy Key's original music project that's forthcoming. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually doing I'm actually in the process of writing some stuff now. Ah. My my thing has been my thing has been I've been so successful, thank goodness, very 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 blessed with regards to recording in town, doing recording sessions and things, as well as touring. That my own music has kind of been pushed by the wayside just because I can't figure out how to get more than 24 hours in a day. I'm working on that. But um, so now I've, especially this is like the first summer that I've actually been in town in years. Mm. Usually I'm out on the road. So I'm taking advantage of this time and getting together with writing partners and doing some more recording and some more writing so hopefully i will have some new stuff out very soon ah exciting exciting and by the way when when you do figure out how to get more than 24 hours into a day please let me know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i definitely will i will you will be the first person that i call very good uh (laughs) help me understand wendy wagner talked about being a vocal contractor so is that what you're considered and and if not what would the proper title be and then what is the difference uh, well, a vocal contract, I have been occasionally. Usually, I'm a hired done. Usually, the vocal contractor will call me and I'll come in. The vocal contractor is basically the person who gets contacted by a company, a producer, pro- project manager, what have you, and says, look, I've got X song. I need X number of voices. Um, this type of sound, put this together for me, the date, they give him the date, the number of hours, union, um, generally we go for a union contract because we're union singers, and it's the contractor's job to get the parameters of that producer's project and fit the necessary people in to said project. And then they call out, they call around, they get our availability, 
They get everyone sussed out. And then it's their job to file any necessary paperwork, to coordinate between the singers and the production staff, and basically to get everybody to show up on time with all their paperwork and stuff done and then deliver for this producer. So that's the contractor's job. I normally am, like I said, I'm, I'm normally one of the hired guns, but upon occasion I've been the contractor on certain projects. But you're using the expression hired gun. What would the, I don't want to say the, I don't want to say what would be the proper industry term because people in the industry probably say hired gun, but to the listener right now who is a music fan that says, yeah, I, I saw her. I saw her when she was singing on tour with so-and-so. What would you like those people to know you as other than just singer Amy Keys? Because you're on tour supporting whoever the, the headliner is. Yeah, I guess it, depend, it depends upon what I'm doing. I wear so many hats because mm-hmm. if I'm... You can call me a support singer or a background vocalist, but my gigs involve more than background because I'll also do a lot of, I I usually will do solos or duets with the lead artist. Right. So I usually, most people will say background vocalist, but that doesn't really encompass everything that I usually do. As long as the check clears, you don't you don't really worry about what they call you. <laughs> nah, as long as they call me, I'm good. <laughs> there and you the go. groups that I've worked with treat me really well. So I'm. However, they just call me to sing, and they said we need you to come sing. So you can just call me a vocalist. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the contracts to those are they always just for one tour, or is it? A an artist will say, you're with me as long as I'm touring, whether it's a year, two years, five years. How do those work? It depends. Certain artists will do agreements that can extend over multiple tours. And if they want a set group of artists to perform, a set group of mu- musicians to perform behind them, they will put them on what's called a retainer, which basically means... I will pay you throughout the year, throughout the period when we're off the road so that you don't have to go out and get any other gigs. Wow. And so that I have the ability to call you up and say, hey, I need you yesterday. And you say, cool, got it. I'm there. Gotcha. You know, so, gotcha. But, they pay, but they pay for that privilege. Sure. Then there are other contracts. Usually the contracts that I will get will encompass whatever that single tour is okay okay yeah and the and the one that you referred to before being on retainer i can see that we're all of a sudden a special event it's it's a one-off show and all of a sudden he or she needs to assemble their singers and they they have to know look this thing is friday night i know it's wednesday morning but it's friday night in insert city here i'll see you there mm-hmm. and and they have to know exactly. you're going to be there exactly and if they're not paying you a living wage they can't possibly expect you to drop everything and to be ready to go or to be available for that matter sure. because you're busy trying to keep the lights on. Right. So you may have a gig already that, that night yep. that you cannot get out of. So that by them paying you a retainer, they're saying, I retain you to gig with me. So I'm paying you so that you don't have to go out and do these. You, you're free to do it. But if I call, you come. 
Yep, yep. And by signing on to that retainer, they're like, okay, cool, I'm good with that. <laughs> Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, here's something you can try that will get you off in a potentially new direction. Contact the college you graduated from to let them know about your music career and see if you can come back to perform there. Colleges are always looking for stories about successful alumni that they can brag about to attract new students. Plus, the college and university circuit is a very good market to get into, so you can then use that as a springboard to try to get bookings at other colleges and universities since the first one is always the toughest to get. With any kind of luck, someone at your alma mater might even know someone at another school that they can put you in touch with, making that next booking even easier. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Amy, let's go back in time a bit here and share with the listeners, especially again, those who listen each week to learn lessons about the music business. What would you say was your first big break or your first big gig, your first big job, and how did you get it? Because obviously over time, you work with as many people and as many big names as you have, and your reputation precedes you. We were talking before about getting work through context networking, but you know the word gets around and you get to know all kinds of people, but I'm sure that the listeners are wondering, yeah, but who was her first one though, and how did she get that one? Because when you talk about you know, the Phil Collins, the Katie Langs of the world, the list eventually mm-hmm. starts to blur. And so I think people are probably wanting to know, well, who was the first, you know, real significant one? And how did she get that one? Okay. The first real significant one was with Al McKay. Um, and he had a thing called the LA All-Stars. Al McKay was the um, lead guitar player. He's the one playing all those sweet rhythms and things on that all that earth wind and fire stuff Mm -hmm. and he had a group that was out touring and how i got it was when i first moved i'm originally from washington dc and i had moved out to la and was basically just singing wherever i could sing and there used to be a jam session at a place called scobie's up in um chatsworth up in the valley And I would go there and just sing. And I sang for free for God for months. I sang for free a lot and still do sometimes. And it was just a really great hang for musicians and singers, you know, in the area. And you might run into anybody. So I got up and sang and this guy approached me after I finished singing and said, do you do any background vocals? And I was like, sure. So he called me in to do this gig um, with this woman who at the time was 
dating. She was she had a, a small project. I forgot what the label was, but he needed back. She needed background vocals. So I went to meet with her. We hit it off, and I was going to start. I started singing with her, and she in turn knew the gentlemen who were putting on this um, this event that would happen once a month on Mondays, I think it was, called R&B Live. And she said, oh, wow, you need to, they need to know your voice. They need to hear you. Mm. I'll introduce you. Come down to see the show and I'll introduce you to these guys. So I went down there and this particular night, she introduced me to the head guys who um, who handled all of it. One was, um, he used to be, was the gentleman who used to be married to Vanessa Williams, Ramon um, Hervey, and uh, Bill Hammond was his partner. So I went down, she introduced me to them, and it just so happened that they were rehearsing, that Al McKay was rehearsing, they said, well, we need some more background, but would you be willing to do some background vocals on one of our nights? So long story short, I went down and ended up singing backgrounds for Al McKay that night. Wow. And we were doing, um, during rehearsal, we, and it went really well. So backstage we started talking and he said, well, one of the people who was supposed to sing with me on this little tour that we're going to do flaked, would you be willing to go out with us? So I said, sure, why not? And we ended up going to Japan and oh, um, the Philippines and fantastic. all over the place. It was it was amazing. Fantastic. So we're out, and it just so happened that um, the horn section that was out with him, the lead horn player was Harry Kim, who, of course, you know, is the lead leader of the horn section for Phil Collins. At that point in time, I did not know that. (laughs) But he watched how I prepped for everything because I'm the type of person, if you give me background parts to learn, I don't stop at learning the background parts. I know all of your lines. I know Mm. all my lines. I know everything because you never know what might happen where. And if the singer starts singing something different and you don't know his whole song, you're screwed. You don't know what part to sing yep. after that so yep. he watched that and he watched me singing and the final night of the tour um because philip philip wasn't singing with him but the audience kept screaming for reasons so mm. al came over to me and said do you know the words to this and i was like of course i do <laughs> so he had me sing it as the encore oh. and harry heard that so on the um, on the plane on the way back, we exchanged cards, and he was like, "Oh, cool! You know, we'll get in touch." And I was into that. Oh yeah, everybody hands out cards out <laughs> here, so I'll never hear from him. But maybe, oh, I'd say three or four months later, I get this call saying, "Hey, don't get your hopes up, but I've recommended you for this gig," mm. and it was the Phil Collins gig. Wow! So I had wow. to put together a package to send out. And this is where the relationship thing comes in. So he had recommended me. I put together my package and he said, well, go get these CDs to see what kind of music you should send. And when I looked at the liner notes, I saw that the keyboard player, Brad Cole, which I had no idea was playing with Phil and he had played on some of my stuff in the past. So I asked him to write me a letter of recommendation. And then later on that summer, the, R- the same R&B Live guys called me to do backgrounds again on a USO tour 
on um, Army Base Tour, and Philip Bailey was one of the singers. Mm. So I got to sing with Philip and got to get to know him. And at the end of that, I asked him if he would send in a letter of recommendation. Wow. Because, of, cor- of course, he and Phil sang Easy Lover yeah, together. Yeah. So he sent in a letter for me. And then one thing led to another, and they asked me to to join the group, and I've been Fantastic. there ever since. Fantastic. That's, that's one of those George Costanza, I'm going out on that one moments. Like, if I didn't have all these other questions, and if the episode wasn't usually the same length every week, I would stop right there. <laughs> that's a terrific story. <laughs> I love it. That's tremendous. Yeah. That's tremendous. How, how fun it is to hear that. I I hope you enjoyed telling that story as much as I loved hearing it. And listeners, isn't, it, isn't oh, this cool. good stuff? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, very serendipitous. <laughs> Listeners, Amy has even worked with Toto. Uh, back on episode 222, yeah. my guest was Scott Page, who has performed with Pink Floyd, Supertramp, and yep, Toto. So go back and listen to that interview if you haven't heard it already. We will have a link to that one on the show page for this episode on nhte.net. Amy, you mentioned in there that you're originally from the D.C. area. So is is it just mm-hmm. the, the typical... You know, why do you think I moved to L.A., Bruce? I wanted to be a singer, or was there some other reason why you had mm-hmm. moved out there? No, it was a combination of um, singing and acting, and actually my acting paid for me to move out there. I, I came out to kind of test the waters and booked a couple of commercials and did some some um, film stuff, and that paid for me to come out, wow. and then the music really started to, wow. to kick off. pretty cool. Well... I'm I'm glad you started to to tip your hand a little bit with the whole Phil Collins thing. As I did my research for today's show, it seemed like everywhere I turned, every social media platform, people right across the board were still always commenting on you performing separate lives with Phil Collins. And and, and mind you, I get it. I get it because, you know, not only have I seen some great footage on YouTube for that, but I'm pretty certain I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for this interview. And I thought, I remember, like, I have it narrowed down to like 20 years ago, uh, a Phil Collins concert that I saw, and you were probably there doing that song with him. I, I mean, doing other songs, obviously, but that one. But what what, mm-hmm. what is it about that, about Separate Lives? What What is it, do you think, that has contributed to it standing the test of time and still being talked about all these years later on, on like I said, all these social media posts that I see? Well, it's, I think, mainly because, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of the fact that Stephen Bishop wrote the hell out of that song. It was just, and he was writing about a real breakup. He and Phil have a way, both of them as writers and composers, have a way of tapping into their most painful, poignant moments and writing such a and writing it down in such a relatable way that everybody can see themselves in the prose. Mm-hmm. They can see themselves in the text, mm-hmm. and it's like. I think it's just the bottom line. And then Phil has always been that every man journeyman, um, the guy who is most comfortable being the side man, being back there on the drums and then got shoved out front to sing. And he's never lost that journeyman sensibility. And I think people get that people feel that he's not, when he's singing separate lives, he's not doing that dig me, dig in me thing. He's 
singing yep. from yep. a serious. Yep. He's singing from his heart. He's singing from someplace. He's not showing you, hey, check out my chops. Hey, check me out. I'm Phil Collins. Sure. He's singing about pain and heartache and everything. And everybody listening to that feels like he's singing it directly to them. I think that's what makes it stand the test of time. Well, and let me let me say, you know, two points. Number one, you're being humble because number two, you can see in Phil Collins what you just described about him, that he is humble enough to say, okay, for the live version, we're going to put a treatment on this song where we're going to bring in Amy, we're going to bring in the version that I saw the most, Arnold McCuller, and the three of us us are going to do this song. So number one, you're being humble because I think I think one of the reasons that it has stood the test of time and, and this live video shows up everywhere and this is what everyone's commenting on, the the treatment that's on that live version with you, please give yourself a pat on the back. And and like I said, and with Phil <laughs> deciding, okay, for the live version, we're gonna do this differently and, and this is how this is how it's gonna be performed. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love singing it with him. I actually forgot my lyrics one time because I was so busy listening to him. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Because he's just, when, when he, yeah, when he makes that entrance, I remember looking up at him going, oh my God. And it just kind of washed over me. The way he sings is just incredible and incredibly poignant and emotional. And then it hit me that, oh, my God, I'm singing Separate Lives with (laughs) Phil Collins. And my lyrics went out. And the same guy, Harry Kim, we were in the round. I will never forget this. And he and I, thank God, had to pass each other as I walked to my key light, as I walked to my spot. And right before I got to my spot, I leaned over to him and I was like, darling, do you know the, my first lyrics? <laughs> and he sang it to me and I was like, thank you, and kept walking. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's good stuff. Listeners, I am joined today on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line from Los Angeles by singer, writer, producer, and actor Amy Keys. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, of course, I just finished mentioning YouTube, where you'll find lots of great performance footage of her. You can also find her on the likes of Spotify, Pandora, Google Play Music. Amy is on iTunes. There's also some stuff on there with Dave Stewart. Uh, that's, that's Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. Yes, Amy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the LA Blues Alliance. So look for her in those different configurations on iTunes. And this is cool, listeners. Watch for Amy to be on the ESPYs on July 18th. As for this show, I said it during the intro, but do make sure you are subscribing so that the new episode downloads automatically for you each week. Now here, this entertainment is on iTunes, or as they want us to say, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. So either just search on those platforms or simply go to nhte.net, and there are links there that you can click on to go directly to whichever of those you prefer to listen and subscribe through. Uh, Amy, eight weeks ago on episode 223, my guest was Sass Jordan, who has sold over a million records Mm -hmm. worldwide and won various awards, including Billboard and Juno. And I asked her the following, which I would like you to respond to as well. I said, what is it that has kept you going all these years? How have you kept the passion alive? Meaning, what do you feel has been a key to not getting burned out such that you have been able to sustain such a long career. I, I said that to her, and, and then I said the following also, that I think it's helpful for up-and-comers to hear about that side of the music business. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because the, the industry, needless to say, the par- we've, we're suffering a severe paradigm shift um, in the music industry, as I'm sure everyone's aware of. But I guess the main thing that keeps me going is that music is the air I breathe. It's life. I would do the if you would do this for free, which I have. And I just I know that nothing else brings me joy like music does. Being on stage is everything. I quit a very secure pathway to make a ton of money to go make my, on my first gig, I was making $50 a night. (laughs) And when I came out to LA, the first gig that I got, I forgot how many people we had in the bands. All I know is that when we split the money up, we split the money up equally and we we each got (laughs) $37.50. So, you have to you have to be to the point where you would be willing to do this for free it's just it's it's a passion of mine it's not something i do to show off or you know because i need to be out in front of of people doing whatever you know i'll do it in a studio you know as long as i'm singing yeah, as long yeah. as i get a chance to to make to make music i'm good being on stage is fantastic mainly because you get that energy back from the people in the audience which is off the chain i love that <laughs> but i i mean that's the main thing that keeps me going because there's so many frustrating factors now and the fact that there's so many you know i guess for lack of a better term this um, term there's so many bean counters mm. who get between the artist and the creative process. There's so many people who are in the midst of it, who are in positions of power, creative power, who have no idea what creative being creative is about. All they know is that, oh, okay, that thing over there made money. Go find me something that looks and sounds like that thing over there. Yep. Instead of being like an Amit Erdogan who signed Phil and go, you know what? God, I like your stuff. Go make music and bring it to me when you're done, and we'll figure out how to market it. Yeah, you're the artist. Go make art, and I'm the bean counter. I'll just sit here and figure out the spreadsheets, and we won't get in each other's way. Exactly. I'll stay in my lane. When everybody stayed in their own lane and knew where their expertise stopped. It's like, of course, you put in your, your, your opinions and everything, but when it came time for those artists like the guys who signed when Peter Asher brought in James Taylor, he didn't tell James how to sing his music. He found an amazing artist and said, you know what, just turn this guy loose, put it down on record and call it a day. And he's been performing and packing out houses for what, 50 years. Yeah. The way, you know, the same thing with, with him, with Carol King. I mean, you don't, if it works, don't, don't, Fix yep. it kind of thing. But now we've gotten to a point where everything is, well, not everything, but most things are being determined by which I, I hate these words, demographics and influencers <laughs> and all of that. And it's like, no, put the stuff out there. Let the people decide. Don't dumb it down to them. They know what their tastes are and let them hear it and they'll get okay, it. But I'm going to jump in here because that's a good segue because 
contrary uh-huh. to that repeat question, like I said, I just asked you what I had asked, asked Jordan. I know I haven't asked the following in right. quite a long time to a guest, and, and I think it's fitting today having someone like you on who is such an accomplished singer. Given what you just said, let the, let the public decide, what do you think of all these singing competition shows on television, like The Voice and American Idol, et cetera? Are those good for those participants or or no? Is it is it, oh, they're just trying to make a TV show and, and those poor kids are... You know, or is it? No, it's it's good for them. It can be good. It's kind of it's kind of it's good when it is, and it's bad bad when it isn't. You yeah, know? yeah. It's one of these situations where if you're fortunate enough to be able to ride out the storm that is quote unquote reality TV, which it could not possibly be further from reality. <laughs> if you're and if you're fortunate enough to be have enough intestinal fortitude, a great support network, and your head on straight, you can negotiate that and use it to shoot your career. I mean, there's a lot of folks who have have become stars because of that. But what you don't see is the hundreds of thousands that got thrown out. There are a ton of them who are put on there as fodder for the audience. Right. They put because these people are not doing the the intent of those shows is not to create a fantastic um, music star. The intent of that show is to get your butt in the seat yep. and have you to watch the TV yep. to watch that. And the bottom line is people come and people love drama or we wouldn't have all these real housewives and <laughs> love and basketball and all this other stuff. And every five seconds, there's another orchestrated fight between somebody and someone. Drama pulls people in. People slow down to look at accidents on the side of the highway. It's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. And, but the problem being there's somebody who was possibly injured in that accident. And that's what bothers me. Because there's so many folks who go through experiences like that who might not who might just become the glad rap of the show and get tossed away and that that might be just enough to knock their legs out from under somebody who's actually really talented and deserves a chance. Yeah. So that's my thing. It's kind of a two edged sword. Yeah, that's a it's a great analogy though. I I, I, I support what you're saying and listeners I've had lots of guests on this show who have been on American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, The X Factor. Uh, email me, podcast at nhte.net. If you're sort of new to the show and you haven't heard those, I can email you back and I can tell you, I can suggest some different episodes where you can listen to those people talk firsthand about what their experience was on those TV shows, as, as Amy is saying, these are TV yes, shows. Yes, exactly. It's like understand that we're we're about out of time, but I've got to ask: Have have you seen the movie, or, or I should say, documentary called Twenty Feet from Stardom? Nope, I've never seen it, but I know most of the people in it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and I've worked with I've worked with a lot of them actually. Okay, because I was going to ask you, you know, what you thought about it, how you thought it did in terms of portraying singers like yourself. But if you haven't seen it, then 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 that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I've heard, but I mean I've I've heard about it, and like I said, I've worked with I, I've sung with Lisa with Lisa Fisher. I sang with Judith, um, and the premise of it was cool. I I want to see them do a sequel, and 
Update it. Delve into like a lot. Yeah, update or go into like there was a group and they called them. They were called the originals and they were the background vocalists on all that Motown stuff. Mm. And nobody, most people don't even know who they are. That's the kind of stuff. I wanted them to delve more deep, but I, I understand because it was a brand new thing and it's the first time they can't cover all things. They can't be all things for all people. Yep. But I want them to delve into all of that stuff. Like the sweet inspirations, the, uh, the women who sang behind Elvis and all of that. Sissy Houston was part of that. Yeah, mm. I want to, you know, get into all of that yeah. stuff. Um, the tons of people who were in the background who sang all that stuff, all those parts that everybody sings along with, those I want folks to hear from those people. So I'm I'm waiting for the for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and maybe we'll see you in it. <laughs> ah, it, it'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be fun. Cool. Uh, well, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called Papillon. Before we let you go, Amy, mm-hmm. tell the listeners all about this song, please. Well, Papillon, um, I wrote with one of my writing partners and bandmates. He's part of my. Well, we have a band together. And um, he's from from France, Camille Roustam. And I've spent tons of time in France. I um, toured for many years with the French artist Johnny Halliday, who just passed away this last December. And we just did a tribute to him on his birthday this past Friday. And so as kind of an homage to my my sec, I consider Paris and France my second home. And to the wonder, to the fabulous men of France. This is what I, I wrote. Papillon. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Amy, it was great to finally do this with you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it and uh, can't wait to see the, the continued projects that you're going to be involved with for many years to come, I know. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, writer, producer, and actor Amy Keys. Do find and engage with her on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, yes, you will find lots of videos on YouTube as well. As I mentioned before, Amy is on Spotify, Pandora, and Google Play Music. And then iTunes, you can look for her as well as for projects that she's done that are on iTunes with Dave Stewart and with the L.A. Blues Alliance. Watch for her on the ESPYs on July 18th on ESPN. And again, this show, do be sure that you have hit the subscribe button on your platform of choice on the show website, which is nhte.net. There are links there so you can get it from iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio, or just search for Now Hear This Entertainment directly on whichever of those you prefer and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and get the download automatically every week. Thank you so, so much for listening. We'll send you out with another song from Amy Keys. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Papillon.
la tiro 